Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It's Monday, December 14, 2020, and I want to start with a round of applause. Hey, there they are, uh, our audience today. The COVID-19 vaccine is here. Frontline health workers are getting uh, the first shots today. That definitely deserves uh, a round of cheers. How about some love for President Trump, too, by the way, who said a vaccine would be ready by the end of the year. And that's right, he was correct. Liberals laughed when he said it, but once again, Trump proven correct. Uh, speaking of the president, uh, we go from thumbs up, there it is, to uh, uh, thumbs down on what's happening today with the Electoral College. They're going to certify that Joe Biden won the presidency today, but trust me, uh, the president and his diehard supporters have not given up yet. We're going to have a look at the strategy ahead. So where does it leave us at this point? Well, there it is. Uncle Sam, he's like many of us. We're shrugging our collective shoulders. I don't know. Something tells me we're in for a few more surprises before the big day on January 6, 2021, when in just a few weeks, Congress is going to actually have to certify and approve the election results. So let's get right to the election news today. The Wisconsin Supreme Court rejected President Trump's recount challenge saying, in essence, that their challenge came way too late. So we want to break that down, get a sense of the path forward. We're joined by one of the top attorneys for the president's legal team, Jenna Ellis. Uh, Jenna, great to see you again. Great to see you too, David. Thank you. Well, tell me, uh, first, let's get your reaction to that Wisconsin Supreme Court decision that came down today. Yeah, well, you know, it's been really frustrating for our legal team uh, to have so many of the courts say initially, well, if you brought this challenge um, earlier, then it wouldn't have been ripe because you wouldn't have actually incurred the harm. And then if we bring it after to say, well, it's too late and you don't have standing. I mean, so really, uh, especially with the Texas case that was uh, kicked from the Supreme Court, uh, we're really left in the position of saying, well, judiciary, well, Supreme Court, is there ever a time then that anyone can challenge election integrity results? And of course, the answer to that should be yes. Every American should be very concerned that we're not disenfranchised through fraud, through cheating, and through complete disregard of the laws of these six states. And that's what happened. But I think the encouraging thing here, David, is that so many Americans are seeing through the challenges that we've brought, through all of the uh, testimony and evidence that the mayor and I presented in front of state legislatures over the last two weeks, uh, that this is really uh, a significant issue for our country. We have to address this. Election integrity matters. And we've also seen that even Pennsylvania in the Texas case in their amicus brief, uh, the House and the Senate in Pennsylvania acknowledged to the Supreme Court that in the administration of the 2020 election, their law wasn't followed. So I think that we still should uh, bring these challenges forward. We need to move forward. And Team Trump absolutely intends to keep pursuing truth and election integrity. Give us a sense of what's left at this point uh, legally. Uh, where, where are you on some of these other cases uh, that we should be watching between now and January 6th, Jenna? Yeah, so we still have challenges um, in multiple states that are working their way up through the legal system. We have a challenge out of Pennsylvania that is still pending in front of the Supreme Court. And we may see even uh, some new litigation as the president and also Mayor Giuliani have indicated. Uh, but I think that the most significant result uh, doesn't have to come from the judicial branch. It can come from the state legislatures themselves. And so today, when the delegates are voting, uh, we have the slates of electors that are for Trump in these six states that are going 
going and casting their votes as well. And they're saying, we are the slate uh, for the true winner. And so uh, because of that, and because you have two competing slates, uh, that's something that's happened before in America's history when there's still challenges that need to be resolved after December 14th. And so moving forward, the date of ultimate significance, as the Supreme Court recognized, is January 6th, when Congress actually meets, they count the votes, and they certify the Electoral so, College. So we can still challenge it up to that point. So when you say challenge it, uh, are you talking about not just from a legal perspective, but from a state legislature perspective? In other words, the state legislature can decertify uh, or, or help me out here a little bit. Can they send up still a separate state of state a slate of electors between now and January sixth? Absolutely. And that's exactly what uh, we're hoping that they will do is look at all of the election integrity issues and how the rules and the laws of their state were not followed. And so ultimately, the U.S. Constitution and the electors clause was not followed. And so they can at any time under Article 2, Section 1.2, they can reclaim their authority for the manner in which delegates are put forward from their state to the Electoral College. They can absolutely do that between now and January 6th. And so they can send yeah. a slate yeah. of delegates that actually and genuinely reflects the vote in their state. What's your sense at this point? Is the, le is the legislature the better shot or are the courts the better shot? Because right now, neither one seems to be working. Uh, there's not many uh, bold legislature le legislators that are out there. There are some in Pennsylvania and Arizona. I'm talking about overall, especially uh, the, uh, the leadership in many of these state legislatures. Yeah, the leadership, quite frankly, has been very disappointing to see that even though they're Republicans, that they're not uh, taking this as seriously as they should. But I think as more and more evidence uh, comes out and they also see how many of their own constituents are rightly very concerned about election integrity, uh, they still do have the opportunity to do that. And they really uh, not only have the authority to do that, but I believe that they have the duty and the obligation uh, to their constituents and to the Constitution. So we've seen across these six states that there are uh, there are legislators that are incredibly concerned about that and that they are wanting to call for a special electoral session in order to address these issues. And so as time keeps moving forward, I think we're actually in a much better position with the legislators today than we were even a few weeks ago, just because of what um, has come out through testimony, through affidavits, through video evidence, through now uh, the Dominion report that came out just today. I mean, this is something where we're continuing to investigate. And as more time goes on, we're seeing even more and more examples of how the laws in these states were totally disregarded. You mentioned the Dominion report. I wanted to ask you about that. What happened in Michigan and, and the judge basically allowing this to be seen about what's happening with those Dominion uh, systems uh, in Michigan. What's your reaction to, to that? Well, I'm very grateful that the judge allowed this to be public and lifted uh, that gag order because the American public deserves to see the results there. And what happened is that there was um, a 68% um, inaccuracy rate uh, that happened in Antrim County. And to know that when you have 68% uh, of the ballots that have gone through this machine were um, inaccurately counted or counted differently uh, between the first and the second time, I mean, there is no possible way that the results out of Michigan can be certified as accurate. I mean, that's just mathematically and statistically um, impossible to say that that is a level of certainty and confidence in the genuine vote and the legal vote in Michigan. So hopefully this will also encourage the Michigan state legislature to not only move forward and deal with those election integrity issues moving forward, but as I testified in front of the Michigan state uh, committee there uh, two weeks ago to say this isn't just something to look forward in the future to resolve, 
but you have to take care of the situation now yeah. and make sure that your constituents and the true legal voters are not disenfranchised, regardless of who they voted for, their vote should count and it shouldn't be watered down by the fraud. Where do you think you have the best shot with the state legislatures? Are there any best hopes here? Uh, you mentioned Michigan, but what about Pennsylvania, Georgia? Can you, can you, I, don't wanna, I don't know if you can rank them for me, but give me a sense of where you feel your best hope is with what state legislature is going to break through here, because if one does, maybe others will follow. Yeah, well, I know that uh, Georgia uh, is, is seriously considering having uh, this session and moving forward. So I think um, that especially with the video and all of the evidence that has come out through our local council and through uh, our hearing that was uh, that was last week, that that's a really significant opportunity there. So I think that Georgia may be the first, uh, but I also think that there are state legislators um, that we've been speaking to and that have indicated their uh, serious concerns in Pennsylvania, in areas. Arizona, in Michigan, um, and even in Wisconsin with the election integrity hearings that uh, Team Trump didn't participate in. They did that of their own initiative. And uh, I think that that's going to be really important. And so the more that uh, this continues to be uh, to be public, to be talked about. I'm grateful that you're taking the time to talk about this issue. I think more and more Americans are seeing that they need to call upon their state legislators to actually get involved and to make sure to protect election integrity. Yep. So while you know it could be any of these states, I think that uh, probably within this next week we're going to see some movement. The, the, the media, as you might imagine, they're out there saying, it, which is really curious to me, they say it's over. You know, in other words, it's uh, delegate day, it's over, electoral colleges voted, and now Joe Biden is like uh, officially going to be president. And your reaction to that? Well, they've been saying this is over for the last month, and here we are. We're still challenging it. So I uh, don't believe the media on that sense. They've been trying to say it's over just to push through Joe Biden. They've been calling him falsely the president-elect. Um, there is no president-elect until the delegates are actually certified. And um, you know, in prior years, when presidents have conceded because there was no uh, election challenge, then of course, then you know we had more confidence moving yeah. forward in who the genuine victor was. But here, until the votes are actually certified uh, for the Electoral College on January 6th, we have every opportunity to correct the corruption and the problems that we've seen in the 2020 election, and yeah. every American yeah. should want that. I've got less than a minute left, and I know it's a complicated question. I'll probably have to have you back on, but what is the best case scenario for January 6th? Uh, you got Mo Brooks, who says he'll contest it. You hope for a U.S. senator. I mean, what, am I missing something here? What's the best scenario on January 6th for the Trump legal team? I think that if the state legislatures actually do their job and they reclaim their authority under Article 2 and say we are going to uh, decertify the false results in our state and we are going to investigate this, they're going to hold a session and then choose the slate of delegates uh, that accurately reflects the genuine winner and the voice of their constituents, that's the best way moving forward because then they can certify the slate of electors to Congress and then Congress can accept that. So that's what yeah. we're hopeful for. This. So what you're saying is when the envelope is read on January 6th that there's dual electors in there and then, and then it gets messy. Yes, yes. Then at that point, Congress will have to step in and determine uh, which slate uh, they actually want to certify and accept. And I know that there are a lot of Republicans um, in yeah. Congress, including the 120, that signed on to the amicus brief that are very concerned about election integrity. So this is very hopeful. And I think that yeah. Americans are courageous. They're standing up as well they should. 
Jenna Ellis, Counsel to the President of the United States. Always great to see you. Thanks, Jenna. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, she's going through a litany of states. Keep your eye on Georgia and Michigan, Antrim County, what's going on there. When we come back, uh, Kelly Ward, Arizona GOP chairman, talking about Arizona and election fraud. Back in a moment. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, look, when it comes to the election fraud fight across this country, a lot of folks are on the front lines. We talked to uh, a TRA player, Jenna Ellis, in the first block of the show, and we're going to keep the TRA uh, frontline player theme going in the show because we're heading to Arizona and we're joined by the uh, head of the GOP out there in Arizona, Kelly Ward, who's been on the show uh, quite a few times before. Kelly, uh, always great to see you. It's great to see you, David. I mean, wow, we are fighting the fight. It's interesting times here that we're living through. For sure. And look, you're right in the thick of it. I mean, let's go to the headlines. Uh, and we're talking about what you and uh, you're doing there at the Supreme Court or Arizona GOP Chief Kelly Ward takes bid to undo Biden win in Arizona to the Supreme Court. Give us the latest. There's so many moving parts here. What can you tell us? Well, number one, there is no Biden win in Arizona, in my opinion. I think that there are too many irregularities, too many abnormalities, too many human errors, and potentially too much fraud in this election to actually say that our electors are going to Joe Biden. I certainly don't believe that. And I think that come high noon on January 20th of 2021, we're going to see President Trump re-inaugurated back into being the president for four more years. But I will tell you, we've got a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire. Um, we've got a state-based case based on not having enough time to look at the evidence. The judge in that case, actually, this case is, is one of the very few across the entire country that actually has evidence. We were granted the ability to look at some evidence in this case. We found abnormalities, 3% swing towards President Trump. We were only allowed to look at 100 ballots out of 1.9 million plus that were cast uh, absentee or early, 28,000 of those were duplicated for the voter. And those were the ones we were able to look at. Looking at those duplicated voters, we found one that was passed for Joe Biden, or passed for Donald Trump and counted for Joe Biden. We found another that was passed for Donald Trump and counted not at all. That's a 3% swing in a state that has a 0.3% margin between these two candidates. We need more time to look at more evidence. So we took it to our state Supreme Court. The state Supreme Court wouldn't give us the time. So we're going to the Supreme Court because we deserve due process. We deserve to be able to look at what's there. Those duplicated ballots, those signatures that have not been verified, believe me, uh, we found out today that some of the staff that was verifying signatures was verifying up to 30 signatures per minute. That means there's no verification. And also looking at those digitally adjudicated ballots, there's over 200,000 of those in Arizona, in Maricopa County alone. And we 
deserve to look at at least one. We haven't even seen one yet, David. So then where are we going from here? In other words, what's your sense of the Supreme Court and the timeline here? Any sense of, of what would happen and what are the, reper not the repercussions, but what happens if the Supreme Court doesn't take up the case? Well, there are multiple, as I said, multiple irons in the fire. So we've got a state case. We've also got a federal case with Sidney Powell uh, filing mm -hmm. based on so many uh, really just crazy sounding things that are actually happening in our electoral process. Now, if both of those court cases fail or are not heard or are not taken up, but I think they will be because I'm an elector and I definitely do have standing before those courts. So I think that that is very, very important. We also have the legislative option. Maybe our legislature will wake up. The leaders there have seemed to want to put forward sham, sham productions that really don't have meaning. Um, the hearing that they had with Jenna and with Rudy Giuliani was amazing, but our governor didn't listen. Our leadership in our, in our legislature, in the House and the Senate, both Republicans didn't listen. And today they're having a hearing, but they're not bringing any of that evidence forward. It's, yeah. it's a sad state. But then we've also got congressional, uh, a congressional iron in the fire as well come January 6th. So there's a lot of things out there. Right. There's so much to unpack here. Uh, I, you mentioned the governor. I mean, Kelly, you're a straight shooter. Uh, how disappointed are you in, unfortunately, I have to say these words, the Republican governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey? I mean, as a matter of fact, the Wall Street Journal uh, even uh, alluding to some of the, what well, they, they call it infighting, but it says Arizona Republicans are racked by infighting over Trump and coronavirus, and they talk about how just basically when it comes to the election fraud fight, uh, Governor Ducey has been uh, AWOL on this. What, what's your sense, Kelly? Well, just like President Trump, I am very disappointed, if not disgusted, in Republican leadership from Governor Ducey to our legislators, to our Republican Board of Supervisors, which has a four to one advantage for Republicans just reelected for four more years and one Democrat, and they will not order a forensic audit of the election, of the machines. They will not get ballots, and they have to do so. They're stating because there's litigation, they can't look. That is a complete and total fabrication. It is a lie. It is a lie. They have the opportunity. They have the ability. They just are refusing to shine a light on what's happened here in our great state. They want to cover themselves, apparently, and make, uh, make up a story that everything's fine here. Everything is not fine here. We have so, got phantom voters. We've got all, all kinds of things on the table, and they won't look. So, so, so just so I understand, because a lot of uh, kind of casual viewers are trying to figure out why would a Republican governor not want to uh, push the envelope and do what you're doing? You're exactly right. You're, you're doing what, what should be done, but he doesn't want to do that. So, so what, people are wondering why exactly. You're saying because if they, if they go against the grain, then they're admitting fault in the election process there in Arizona? Potentially, I really don't know. I wish that Governor Ducey would come on your show, David, and have a frank conversation with you. I wish that he would have a conversation with the people that he worked for. That means we the people. I wish that yeah. the people who were elected to be our voice would actually listen to us and listen to the evidence so that we can get to the bottom of this and we can have integrity in our election. Kelly, I've got about 30 seconds or so, but at the beginning you talked about there is no Joe Biden win in Arizona. You mentioned January 20th. My sense of this is that there could be a lot of twists and turns before January 20th. What, uh, what are you thinking as it relates to January 6th? Because Congress ultimately will ratify and certify all of this. 
Well, I think that there's going to be a question as to who are the legitimate electors that are being sent from these states that are contested. I don't even like to call them swing states. They're contested states. They're states that the Democrats tried to steal for Joe Biden. And so we shall see on January 6th when that happens, because I believe, I still firmly believe that I am one of the 11 electors for Arizona that is representing the legally cast votes in our state, which President Trump won overwhelmingly. Yeah. Kelly Ward, uh, the chairman of the, uh, the GOP in Arizona. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. All right. Sounds good. It looks uh, nice and, uh, I don't know, cool there in Arizona. Uh, she's indoors, so I don't know. Maybe the air conditioning is uh, is uh, low, high. I don't know. Back in a moment. COVID-19 vaccine. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, look, uh, we said at the top of the show, it is it is the lead story. The vaccine is here. Uh, we had those applause uh, earlier and the, and the hands. We were kind of giving a shout out. We're like, way to go, uh, vaccine. Uh, way to go, Operation Warp Speed. Uh, and Donald Trump is tweeting about it, as you might imagine, because look, he's got to get a lot of credit. Here's what he said. People working in the White House should receive the vaccine somewhat later in the program unless specifically necessary. I've asked that this adjustment be made. I'm not scheduled to take the vaccine, but look forward to doing so at the appropriate time. Thank you. Of course, he's referring to the fact that at first uh, White House uh, employees were going to get it, but that will not be the case now. He's basically saying God bless the United States. God bless the world. We want to get the latest and uh, not just the latest, but also to kind of break down what it means to have this vaccine now out and available. Uh, Dr. J, the professor of medicine uh, at Stanford University, back with us on the program. I love that nickname, Dr. J. That's what we're going to call you. Good to see you, sir. Nice to see you, David. So uh, the big news, it's here. The president promised it would be here by the end of the year. He delivered. Uh, now we wait and see what happens. What's your what's your sense? I mean, in, the the vaccine is incredibly promising. It's a, in a way, it's a godsend. It's and it's incredible that it was developed so quickly. Uh, now the question is, how do we use it? Um, we can use it essentially to end the lockdown in the next month and a half, or we can use it in the way uh, Dr. Fauci and some others are saying, essentially to continue the lockdown for until uh, you know late summer of this year of next year, uh, until 75% of the people are vaccinated. Um, I think the first approach is the one that makes sense. Let's use the vaccine to end the lockdown. In the next month and a half, we'll have 50 million doses of the vaccine, or 50 million, uh, enough doses, 100 million doses, 50 million people can be vaccinated uh, with uh, with the vaccine. In just two months, in, in a month and a half's time, we can vaccinate basically the entire elderly population in the United States. Um, and you know, with, with some modifications for uh, uh, we, where we use the vaccine for people, other people who are vulnerable with, with chronic conditions essentially take all of the people that are actually susceptible to bad outcomes of the virus, you know, death, and remove them from the population because they're they're going to be vaccinated and not going to get hurt from COVID. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of us, the lockdowns are way worse. We can lift the lockdowns at that point. 
and uh, and just have the epidemic essentially be over in a month and a half. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because in essence, this is really all been this has always been about more of the elderly and the po folks with comorbidities and that type. Of, so so if you if you get them vaccinated, then you don't have to necessarily worry as much about the uh, the shelter in place, if you will, or the uh, the um, quarantine because then you don't know, have the the young kids can go visit grandma and grandpa. And you can get out and do things. Yeah, exactly. I mean the whole idea was essentially at first it was to protect the hospital systems but then it morphed into grandma and grandpa are really a danger let's let's make sure that that we stay shelter in place and and you know crush our do these crushing lockdowns in order to protect them well the vaccine offers a, a perfect opportunity to do that use the vaccine to protect grandma and grandpa and other people with chronic conditions that are high risk and for the rest of the pipe open up our schools open up our businesses all of that is no longer necessary once grandma and grandpa are protected so, so let's take this a step further, and we've talked about this a little bit last time, but I, I want to kind of uh, dig a little deeper. What, what happens at this point for some folks that just don't want to take this vaccine? Um, obviously, there's going to be a big discussion from a constitutional perspective whether or not you can mandate a vaccine like this. I'm assuming you can, cannot, the, though there's going to be a lot of folks that are going to say this was rushed. I mean, what, what do you say to folks to kind of ease those concerns? Or maybe these are very legitimate concerns. No, I think they're, they're legitimate concerns. So a vaccine, uh, in order to, to ethically use it, has to benefit the person being vaccinated. I mean, obviously, it also protects other people by reducing the spread of the disease. But at first and foremost, it has to protect the person being vaccinated. This vaccine wasn't yet tested in, in children. We don't know how safe it is in children as yet from the, the, the data release. We don't, um, the vaccine does have some side effects, just like any vaccine. Um, uh, on net, I think for the older population, it is absolutely the right thing to do to have the vaccine. I don't think we should mandate it. If someone, for instance, doesn't want it, I mean, it's, it's, it's their life. They get, I think they get to decide that for an older person. They, 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 they get to choose. Um, for people who have already had COVID, actually the vaccine doesn't work. It, I mean, it doesn't, in other words, it provides no extra immunity above and beyond the immunity provided by natural infection from COVID. So why would we mandate those folks from taking the vaccine? Um, I mean, I think in, in a general way, uh, the vaccine is incredibly useful to protect people who are vulnerable. And we should use it that way. Protect the people who would get harmed by COVID the most um, if they were to get infected. The vaccine is great at that. It's, it's as I said at the beginning, a godsend, but we should definitely not mandate it. Uh, there are I think deep ethical issues and as well medical issues about the use of the vaccine in, po in populations who probably won't benefit from it, but would benefit enormously from the end of the lockdown. Not, not to play a guessing game here, but do you have a sense of how many people you think ultimately in America will get vaccinated? I mean, do you, do you think it's going to be half the population uh, or, or, or more? I mean, I think if we mandate it, people will start to distrust the vaccine more than they probably ought to. I agree. To. I agree. I think I think it would be a big public health mistake. I think if we uh, tell the population here, here are the statistics about the vaccine. Here's here's who it's really would be beneficial for. Just be honest with people. I think we would we would get a very substantial portion of the population that want to be vaccinated. If we force it on people, I think uh, we'll engender distrust not just for this vaccine but for other vaccines as well. It would be very very unfortunate. And just so I understand, I mean, I, I understand it, but this vaccine, this first one, it's two, it's two doses, right? I mean, it, two doses. Yeah. Two doses. So, you, so 100 million means really 50 million, in essence. That 50 million. Those. And there's 50 million elderly people in the U.S., many of whom actually have already gotten infected. Uh, we have, well, by the end of January, we'll have 50 million doses of it essentially given out to the population. The question is, who gets it? If we, if we use it right, we can end the epidemic in a month and a half. 
I am also curious about some of these vaccines that are also going to come out in the future, not just this one from Pfizer. How, how do people kind of sift through their choices here? What should they be understanding and knowing as they move through the process? I mean, the, the key thing is the safety profiles and the efficacy. Uh, the, the scientific literature is they're already published in uh, for this this vaccine uh, a, a extensive report in the New England Journal of Medicine and I've been looking through that I mean I think you should pay attention to people who who, who are you know they're not they, they, they look at these data and, and take, do an honest assessment right so for instance I told you that there's no kids in these trials it's true there's no kids in these trials uh, if, uh, people um, I think will jump uh, too far ahead that where they don't look we're not actually pointing the data. Uh, you, you shouldn't believe those folks. The, the key thing is when you, when the other vaccines come out, uh, let's see what the data show. If they're as good as this vaccine or, or, or for some population, it may be the case that it's better in some populations and worse in others. Um, we should take that seriously. It's really hard yeah. to say an answer, a good answer to your question about looking at those data until those data really do come out. Dr. J, always great to see you. And once again, I love the name. I hope you, you don't play basketball, though, do you? you know? I tried, but not very well. <laughs> well, you do. You, you're a really great doctor, so thanks. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. All nice right, Doc, Dr. J there at Stanford uh, University there. Uh, boy, I, we've got so much more on the show, but especially uh, a few things about the polls back in the month. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the uh, water cooler, everybody. I uh, hope you're doing well on this uh, Monday afternoon. So a couple of different things here. Uh, is Joe Biden president-elect or is he just Joe Biden? Uh, is he the guy that ran against Trump that got too, too, too many illegal votes? Is, he, is Donald Trump the guy that won't give it up and won't leave the White House? What's going on? Let's get uh, some answers from Scott Rasmussen uh, with uh, Just the News and Just the Polls, uh, who does this uh, podcast for us uh, all, all the time here on justthenews.com. Uh, Scott, good to see you, sir. David, great to see you. And, you know, today the Electoral College is meeting and they will formally uh, confirm that Joe Biden is president-elect. But not everybody thinks that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, some polling that I've just conducted for politicaliq.com shows that this weekend, 29% of voters, nearly one out of three, still believe that Donald Trump was the legitimate winner of this presidential election. And by the way, 17% actually think he will somehow ultimately be declared the winner. I mean, I'm just, I don't quite know what to say. I'm just sitting here kind of, kind of marinating on those numbers. Is that, that that's, should I, should I be shocked at those numbers? I don't know what I should feel. What do I, what should I feel? Scott, help me. I'm doc, be Dr. Phil for me. Help me out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not very good at Dr. Phil. What I can tell you is that for Republicans, most Republicans, 63% say that Trump really was the legitimate winner. They think that something was wrong with the votes. Now, when you say, how should you feel, though, you got to remember back four years ago, about a third of uh, voters thought that Donald Trump was not the legitimate winner. You know, it was all because of Russian collusion. 
this is something that's become a bit of a problem in America. The losing side is believing somehow they got cheated. Uh, we've had nine consecutive close presidential elections where nobody's won more than 53%. We haven't had a landslide since 1984. And so these close elections are, are putting everybody on edge and they're close enough to make the losing side think they won. You know, um, yeah. And it's going to be a problem for, for President-elect Biden going forward, just as it was a problem for President Trump having the resistance out there. Maybe it's a technicality, maybe it's not. But, you know, with 306 electoral votes that Biden has received, uh, you know, the Biden folks will call it a landslide when Trump got a 306. They called it a landslide. But what, what constitutes a landslide exactly? Do you have any sense on that? Sure. I mean, my definition is very simple. You've got to win at least 55 percent of the vote, meaning you have a double digit margin of victory. And you've got to have a very sizable chunk of the Electoral College. Now, 1984, why was that a landslide? Ronald Reagan won 59% of the vote, 59, not, not 52 like Joe Biden has, 59% of the vote. He won 49 states and came within 10,000 votes of winning all 50. Hmm. That's a landslide. And from 1920 up till 1972, we had a landslide either every election or every other election. I mean, that was good for America. It's good to have landslides because, you know, when Ronald Reagan beat Walter Mondale winning 49 states, Democrats didn't think it was a technicality. And by the way, they didn't think that Mondale's approach of calling for higher taxes was the way to go the next time around. So they learned from it. Uh, we need something like that. We do need a candidate who can win a significant majority going forward. Here's something else uh, voters think we need, or, or I wonder, do voters think we need it, uh, which is voter ID, especially as it relates to uh, uh, folks that are, are here illegally. Uh, what, you've done some polling on this uh, as it relates to illegal citizenship and, and voter ID. What, what did you find? They're, they're the numbers. Tell, walk us through that, Scott. Yeah. Well, it, right now it's, a, it's illegal for non-citizens to vote in federal elections. But there's a 1993 law that says election officials can't ask you for proof of citizenship when you register to vote. So kind of a contradiction. How do you know if somebody is a non-citizen if you're not allowed to ask and verify it? 56% of voters think uh, you should be allowed to ask for citizenship, just 26% disagree. Uh, white voters and Hispanic voters very strongly support this. Black voters more evenly divided. Republicans and independents strongly support it. Uh, but Democrats more evenly divided. And David, this fits into a bigger context of, of people want elections to be fair. You know, look, I know Republicans and Democrats who are in power think that all that really means that being fair means is that they win. But most Americans want to have a system that works. That means they also want photo ID required before you vote in person. Solid majorities want, if you send a mail-in ballot, you should send a copy of your photo ID. They want to see the voter list purge before elections to remove people who have moved away or passed away. Uh, I think, you know, the, one of the things that America could use more than anything else, more than a policy recommendation right now, would be election reform on some keys on a state by state basis to try and restore a little bit of trust in this process. You know, one of the things that, that, that I, I got to tell you, it's got to be a bit frustrating, you know, is just this idea of you, you, you just can't figure out whether or not people are going to uh, indeed, uh, as when they, let, let me try to rephrase it a little bit. When they go and try and vote, 
uh, you know, people want to know that it's a fair and free election. Uh, and right. the, the courts right now uh, are not giving Trump any legal victories at all, at all. So I wonder if polling will be done eventually to see uh, if people will be more apt to feel it's a fair and free election if it goes to the courts rather than not go to the courts. Because if it doesn't go to the courts, then, you know, if no court hears it, then everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth at the end of the day. You know, uh, back in election 2000, you remember that, the hanging chads yeah. and Al Gore and George W. Bush. And we heard lots of people on the political left say that the Supreme Court's intervention in this is going to destroy confidence in the court. And you know what? Public approval of the court before that decision and after, unchanged and very good. Uh, we've seen the same thing throughout this process. There is more confidence in the courts than in other systems. Doesn't mean everybody agrees with every decision, but there is more confidence there. Uh, but ultimately, look, the problem isn't what the courts decide. The problem is the system of casting ballots is so ugly these days and so slipshod that it does raise questions. Uh, you know, I moved to Florida this year, voted in Florida for the first time ever. That state has done a great job. My new state has done a great job recovering from the debacle of 2000. And they had a very efficient system, very few challenges to the way the system worked. And they reported the votes on election night. I would hope that Pennsylvania and a lot of other states take a look and say, you know what? Yeah, we do have to clean up our process. Scott Rasmussen, always great to see you, talk to you, and uh, got to love Florida. I hope it's like 75 and a nice breeze down there. It's gorgeous. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scott. Scott Rasmussen. We're back in a moment with a, how do we say this? Well, it's the last sip. It has to do with a Nerf gun and the NRA. You're going to get a kick out of this. Back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time now for the last sip. Uh, we love this segment because uh, we just like to have a little fun. But it's newsy fun. I mean, there's always a news peg, kind of. I mean, let's be honest. It's like a 10% news peg, and it's like 90% shtick. Uh, but uh, we still enjoy it. Uh, so Michael DiCarlo, remember him? He's the four-year-old uh, who was <laughs> he went to Illinois in this mall. I'm laughing because it's really not funny. Uh, he went to a mall in Illinois. All he wanted for Christmas was a Nerf gun. So he goes to the mall Santa, and the mall Santa says, sorry, kid, you can't get the Nerf gun. Sorry, guns, you just, you're not allowed to have a gun. That's what he tells the four-year-old kid. So, so Michael DiCarlo, the four-year-old, cries to his parents. Oh, he's in tears, the whole thing. Anyhow, they fired the mall Santa, by the way. That's the update on that. But then the NRA comes in and says, the National Rifle Association, and says, you know what? Michael DiCarlo, we're going to do something pretty special for you. Not one Nerf gun. Take a look. Mean Santa, they want to give me a Nerf gun for Christmas. No, no gun. Nerf gun. No, not even a Nerf gun. It's okay. Dad, 
the North Pole doesn't need any commies. <laughs> I love how Santa just collapses on the bed. Boom! Santa is gone. Good thing it wasn't Rudolph, according to our executive producer, Dan. Uh, imagine if it was Rudolph. The people for the ethical treatment of animals would have a, uh, I don't know how to spell this word, a conniption. Uh, for sure, uh, but but it was Santa, so good thing, how do I say this? Good thing that Santa's dead, not Rudolph. Uh, I don't know if that really makes any sense, but the bottom line is, uh, Michael got his Nerf gun. He got plenty of Nerf guns, and the NRA got some promotion uh, thanks to that video, and of course, thanks to us, because uh, we just thought it was kind of neat. All right, we're back in a moment with, uh, I don't know, more show. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, it's the end of the show, but we save the best for last, don't we? We do, we do. Uh, Amanda Head here with Real America's Voice. Good to see you, Amanda. I concur. You do. <laughs> oh, that's right. You concur that saving the best for last. Yes. Yeah, yes, I'm just yes. repeating what you just yes, said. Uh, all right, so you, we talked on Friday. You were going to the uh, the March for Trump rally. Yes. Uh, what's what's the what's the skinny? What's the report? Yeah, what was your, some of your experience? I'm unscathed. I'm okay, good. Okay, that's good. Nobody got hurt. No. Neither did Ben Burkwam, who right. was our other correspondent on the ground. No workman's comp situation. No, no, don't don't worry, executives. We're good. <laughs> okay. um, we're not going to be filing, filing anything. Um, as usual, as we expected, the event went off without a hitch. Lots of great speakers at both marches. They happened uh, at the same time, simultaneously, the Jericho March and the March for Trump. One was at the National Mall, one was at Freedom Plaza. They both had great speakers. There were also some uh, some crossover speakers who, who spoke at both. General Flynn was one of those folks. Mm -hmm. uh, but Katrina Pearson spoke. I was posted up at, the Fre at Freedom Plaza at the March for Trump. Yeah. Ben was at the other one, but we got great coverage, great speakers. This time around, because remember on Friday I said, you know, everybody get out of town before the sun goes down. Right. Get back to your car, get back to your hotel. I think that people did try to heed that wisdom. Mm -hmm. Wisdom. Yeah. Um, but the unfortunate thing is that the Antifa rioters, protesters came out a little bit early this time. Mm. So there were some stabbings, unfortunately. As I understand it, there are two folks who are still in critical condition at the hospital. Yes. So um, it's unfortunate. It's not entirely unexpected. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't think that these events are going to end, though. I don't know if they I are going to you. continue on in, in this in this same version, maybe another iteration of them. But as long as President Trump says that they are still fighting, I think that his supporters will be right there with him and they will show up to whatever events they are, whether they're here, D.C., wherever they are across America, mm -hmm. people are going to show up. We had Kylie Kramer on the show the other day with uh, Women for America First, mm -hmm. America First. Anyhow, she said that bus tour is going to roll on. Yeah. They got till January yeah. 6th. Yep. So That's right. We'll so. See. You know, as long as the president is pushing on, and, and I have seen absolutely no indication from, from neither President Trump in person, his words, or his Twitter account, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, any of those folks, that, that any of this is over. As you know, the news day today has been like a fire hose, and everybody's just trying to hang on for dear life covering everything with yeah. news out of Michigan, you know, news out of Wisconsin. So hang on to your seats, because it's going to be a wild ride the next few days. Amanda Head, thanks so much for Thank being you, here. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right, uh, that does it for our show. It's a Monday. It's uh, Electoral College Day. What do they call it? I don't know. And more importantly, it's V-Day, as in vaccines are finally here. We'll see what the future holds.
See you tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.